you know, because by the time they're old enough to see these, our, our dear Marty will be departed. Yeah. Spoiler for a future episode. Uh, <laughs> It was terrible. Oh, I'm boy. Cutting that. Oh, cutting boy. That. Oh, that was... That's rough. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, we are be keeping real that. Departed. I am <laughs> keeping that. Oh, boy. I am so keeping that. That is so good. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jesse, and we are the Dad Fathers coming at you with some butchering kind of energy. This is a night for Americans! <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't guessed so it, creepy. we're talking about the 2002 Irish gang epic that Scorsese has made called Gangs of New York. Well, but it's before the, we continue, like I oh, said, yes. we have butchering energy. Is anybody proud of that? Like, does anybody want to emanate Bill the Butcher? The way uh, he ate that steak. <laughs> that's <know>. true. Raw, <laughs> it's a raw steak, yeah. isn't it? He's he just cutting seared it. Up, it. He's just like, he just seared it on each <laughs> side. He was yeah. done. Was I do want to say someday, oopsie daisy, just like that. <laughs> oopsie daisy. Oopsie daisy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not after almost stabbing someone. Well, that's no, right. I think that's the only appropriate time to say that. Yeah. <laughs> you're at the, you're at like you're at the, you're, you know like you're at the gun range or something, and you you slip and the gun goes off in your hand, and someone's hat gets taken off, and you're just like, "Oopsie daisy!" <laughs> that guy, that guy would not mess with you. Like you, you would, you give off the air of the unhinged. You know? Yeah, I, yeah I'm not proud of this energy, but I have it tonight. Just you know. <laughs> His swagger is very impressive. I'll say that. He's got swag. Yeah. He's literally has an eagle eye trained on everyone. Yeah. Oh and, boy. And, and any other any other comments on the butchering energy? Dan, do you have butchering energy? Are you ready to butcher? I have butchering energy. I don't know what this means, but I have it. He says <laughs> the most mellow and calm voice possible. <laughs> I, I've been told in the past that I look like I should be a butcher. Oh yeah. I don't really. Know oh yeah, I, I can see it. Oh, do, do you know how I'm taking it for you, though? Like how I, if I were to say that to you, remember when we did the episode for A Man for All Seasons? Yeah, yeah. They talk about Cardinal Wolsey, <laughs> the butcher's boy. You know, I don't know. Oh, all right. So a compliment. Thank you. Orson yeah. Welles. <laughs> Orson Welles. Great. That's exactly what I've always wanted to hear. <laughs> all right. So we're doing Gangs of New York. Uh, we're getting sidetracked because this is a hefty movie. And it, it's rife with some big themes, themes that maybe it doesn't really deal with. But we'll be interesting to, to talk about here. But before we do that, um, there's a thing that we usually do. And I sometimes ask one of my co-hosts. He does this very special little funny voice for it. Um, but I can't really remember the name of the segment. And, What's uh, up? That, that Sorry. Was, hey, Vito. <laughs> What's up? Uh, thank What's you. What's up, man? Oh, oh, I appreciate it. Um, I'll go first because mine's really, really short. I haven't been able to watch a lot of movies recently. Again, still transitioning the jobs, if anyone cares. But something I did check out the other I night. Care. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It actually is very applicable too uh, to things that we like, not to the episode. I, I was it was like one a.m. My daughter woke up, and I took my daughter out into the living room to just hang out with her. She's six months old, and we're just sitting on the couch. She's blowing spit bubbles, and I was on HBO Max, and I and I saw under new releases that there is a Blade Runner anime TV show that is in mm. it's a CGI mm -hmm. anime TV show. It's called oh, wow. uh, Black Lotus. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's really bad. Is it out? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> While sitting on the couch, we powered through four and a half episodes. These are half Oof. hour episodes because there's 13 of them. 
And I was like, I'm going to, it's Blade Runner. So I got to give this like a big shot. And I really wanted to like it. It's really predictable. It's fairly simplistic. The animation is very spotty. It's just really unremarkable in a very sad way. Like the mm. best thing about it is that it looks like Blade Runner in the locales, but the character animation is is very like simple polygonal shapes for the people. And it's it's very hard to get invested when there's such blank slates and when the, the writing is so not like any of the other ones. Hill, so I don't big, I don't like the sound of that at all. Yeah, it's yeah. a big whiff. I mean, if you guys want to check out the first episode, it's got some engaging action, I guess. It's not going to carry me through 13 half hour episodes in a dramatic show. It's it's just not going to do it for me. I'm I'm out and I'm really sad because I love this universe and this is a this is a direct prequel to Blade Runner 2049. I think it's taking place in 2038. Um mm. and it's supposed to be setting up the Jared Leto's character Neander. The Wallaces are a big part of the show, but it's just it's if you've seen a dystopian sci-fi thing, you've seen this already. Um, no new ground. Yeah, so that, that's Blade Runner, Black Lotus. Not a fan. Not for me. Uh, how about there, you, Dan? I was going to oh, ask, sorry. are there other... I feel like I saw at one point that there are other like short films made yeah. in, in, the, in the world or in the universe of Blade Runner. Yeah, Have are, you seen any of those? Those are the Blackout. And I think this takes place post-Blackout. Because those also are about Neander. And I saw one of them, and I always meant to return to the other ones. But as short films, I mean, they can be as interesting or not interesting as, as you want them to be, you know? Yeah. I don't remember it very well, which tells me that it was probably quite slow. I'm probably going to check those out because I, I love this world so, so much. And it's not hard to be to make something interesting in this world, I feel. Like, these are very deliberately paced stories. They're about humanity and introspection. They're not about action. And I, I don't I don't feel like that's hard to do. But when, you know, you inject like some hardcore kung fu action, it starts to feel a lot less like Blade Runner and a lot more like The Matrix, which is uh, not something I would even say I'm a fan of anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wachowskis. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's what I've been watching. How about you, Dan? What, what are you watching? What's up? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I yeah. forgot the name of the second again. I, I almost felt gypped there. And thank you. Uh, <laughs> No, I. This is going to end eventually. <laughs> I, can't, I can't look myself. I can't look at my wife anymore. <laughs> well, you got to stop saying it at home too. <laughs> hey, hey, honey, what's up? <laughs> she's left. She's taking the kids. <laughs> Every time I it's call, just, I can't a... stop. <laughs> oh, that's great. I so I was watching a bunch of the Oscars, getting ready for for the Oscars coming up, and I haven't watched a whole lot. Since then, I'm, I think I'm feeling a little burnt out after watching so many movies in yeah. like within a short amount of time. I'm still watching Severance. How is it progressing? Uh, it's really good. I I didn't realize until I got to episode seven that that's all the episodes that are out right now, and they're still coming out with them, uh, oh. which is kind of frustrating because I'm. I went into it thinking that all of them were out for the full season. And now I have to wait like we used to in the before four time. So messed uh, up. Yeah. So messed up. You're like, here for you. We're so sorry. <laughs> yeah. And this is something that like younger generations are probably never going to understand. Well, is we got the Mandalorian now that always comes mm, out like week to week. Disney plus true. is really good with this. That's true. They always do it this way. That's right. Yeah, that's true. I guess, I guess there are streaming services that are 
bring that back. It builds lots of hype when you do it that way. Yeah. You know, here you are building hype about Severance. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. And like, I remember thinking when Netflix, they were the ones that started just releasing like full seasons all at once. I loved it because then you could binge watch and they kind of created the binge watch. Yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised that Disney was bringing that back with their shows and Apple TV, which is who's doing Severance, is doing the same thing. So, yeah, it definitely makes me more invested and like interested to see the next 40 minutes instead of just finishing it over a weekend or something. So I'll let you guys know how it pans out, but I'm definitely very interested to see the final couple episodes. Nice. I, I, I will check it out. I will. It's on it's on the list. I, I just had to make room for the shitty anime show that I hated. Sorry. <laughs> Je- Jesse, uh, there's a question that I'd like to ask. What's up? That was a <laughs> wow, you're losing energy fast. This is so much you. It sounds like you're losing your voice. What's That is an appropriate question. I'll give that an appropriate answer. Uh, my kids and I watched Kung Fu Panda 3. Ooh, Ooh nice. Three Panda, Three Foo. Yeah, it is, you know, it's it's pretty bland, but the kids loved it. It's their <laughs> favorite Kung Fu Panda because there's like a spirit realm and it starts out there and there are like floating rocks everywhere and then there are these giant shapes that they're making when they fight. and They, they think that was so awesome. They're like, this is so cool. And so they've decided that it's their favorite Kung Fu Panda movie. And it also has a village of pandas that roll around and do kind of, you know, slapstick things. So, adorable panda stuff. I mean, exactly. that sounds pretty, pretty great. So they love it. Uh, even yeah. though I think it's one of the creepiest ones because that's when the bad guy turns the other good guys into jade zombies. Ooh. Ooh. Like jade statues that go around and attack everybody else. Jeez. So when Mantis transforms into like a bad guy and they have to fight him. Like, I thought that was kind of creepy. I was worried that would creep my kids out, but it didn't even phase them. I don't, it's like, they don't even care. Maybe they just don't care about any of the characters. <laughs> These characters blow. <laughs> uh, More slapstick pandas, please. Yeah, they were really into it, and they've watched it a, a few times now. This is the oh, only wow. one they've watched a few times. Wow. So, yeah, Kung Fu Panda 3, here to stay now. <laughs> Three thumbs um, up. <laughs> uh, yeah, one one half thumb up for me. It's, uh um, <laughs> is that the final one or is there so far okay there's a couple tv shows that come after i haven't i don't want to introduce them to those i'll just <laughs> keep it at this no no more no more movie tie-in tv shows i was force-fed enough of those as a kid and i just just no more so yeah i already watched awesome. star wars rebels and that is that's fine they can keep watching uh, yeah that. yeah you, you talked about that before that that did yeah. sound like a good recommend that but the, like, you know what i mean like um there was like the lion king tv show mm-hmm. and there was like the aladdin tv show and there was the hercules mm-hmm. tv show oh like, yeah at least, at least with star wars it's like about a universe with those ones it's like look it's characters you liked and their adventures <laughs> yeah they were never as good like the hercules tv show that's when he was training it's like that's yeah. not what i want to see scrawny was, hercules yeah i want to see strong hercules that's what i was here for so I also got burnt out of movies, so I started a new show, uh, also on HBO Max, called Our Flags Mean Death. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. First episode oh. is directed and executive produced by Takeo Watini. Oh. It, it's his show. He runs the, he's like He's like the main guy in the show. He's not really the main guy. I keep looking for his name in the credits. He's always an executive producer, and he directed the first episode. It's got his fingerprints all over. Like, it's got his humor. 
Like if you watch I, this, I think, I think he's, he's the showrunner. Is he the formal showrunner? I thought he was. I'm sorry. So I don't want to keep interrupting you. Sorry. I mean, that would make sense if he was. Uh, it's got his humor throughout. It's it's pretty funny. I don't. I'm not sure. I've only four episodes in. I'm not sure if I wholeheartedly recommend. Uh, I've gotten a big laugh out of. Um, I'd say most of the episodes have given me like a big laugh, mm-hmm. at least once per episode. Like, all right. So this show is about like a ragtag group of pirates, and the captain. He's not Blackbeard. He's not. Bluebeard, another crazy pirate like that. He's the gentleman pirate. He his philosophy is that he thinks pirates are too much into bloodshed, but he really wants to be one. <laughs> <laughs> so he dresses nice, and he's got like a, you know, he's got a big old wardrobe on a pirate ship, and you know, he's got a kind of a loser group of pirate of a pirate crew, and sometimes they pressure him into doing things. And then things go terribly wrong, and somehow he gets out of it every time. And that's basically the show. But it's got, like I said, if you like Jojo Rabbit or Takeo Atiti's other movies, then you'll probably like this. Once I get further in, I'll know whether or not to fully recommend it or not. Because right now the drama is right. kind of weird. It's overly heavy sometimes. Like this second episode, he's being haunted by like a guy with a sword stuck through his face. And that's sort of funny to mentioned but it's not funny to see it's almost it's almost more haunting uh and i thought it kind of broke the mood stuff like that keeps happening where i feel like it gets a little heavier than it needs to be Mm. it almost sounds like have you seen pirates of penzance the gilbert and sullivan like operetta oh long time ago because that's kind of an ongoing joke with them is that they're all gentlemen that decided to become pirates but they can't really get over the fact that they're just gentlemen and they They'll never hurt anybody, even though they're these rough and tough scoundrels. And like, yeah, it sounds very similar yeah. to that with the, at least with the captain. Yeah, I'm sure it was, he took inspiration from that heavily. I was, he's just the executive producer, the showrunner is David Jenkins. But uh, I, I watched the first episode of this a few weeks ago. I did laugh. It felt, I did feel like the the tonal shift that you're talking about. Um, and I, I've actually thought about this a lot when it comes to, to Take a YTD is I, I really like the What We Do in the Shadows, and I, I quite enjoyed Ragnarok, you know, the Thor movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually like anything else that he's done. Wait, what about Hunt for the Wilder People? <clears throat> Didn't like it. What? No. Nope. You have no heart. You are just an ashen, crumbling mound. It, was, it just seemed, it's, it seems super simplistic. Super simplistic. Yeah. And then and then with Jojo Rabbit, what? the issue I had is is the balancing of tones. I just I just found it too too wild for me to to really engage with the movie. I was not on his wavelength and I wasn't on I wasn't on the wavelength for our flagman's death either. So it used to be I was like take away TD. Like I remember when what we do in the shadows just came out and I was like telling all my friends about it. I was like this is new guy, he's great. And I love this movie and I still do. I don't think I dig this guy anymore. I just I don't I don't get him. I do not get his wavelength. If you tell me Jesse that the show is really good, you know, when you finish it, I'll definitely try again. But I watched that whole first episode with my wife and we were excited to watch it. You know, we weren't tired and we watched it and it was just, I chuckled, I chuckled. Hmm. And then, and I just felt no, no need to do another one, but I, I hope it's, it's different yeah. than that. Yeah. I, I agree with you about Jojo rabbit being, I was conflicted. Like there was so much really heavy, serious drama that'll happen. And then the next second it's like, yeah, like satirical Hitler scenes 
that Jokes. are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like hilarious. But you're like, I was just feeling, you know, punched to the gut by this previous scene, or like it just, it was very uh, kind of a mixed bag. But Hunt for the Wilder People, I'm right with you, Mike. I love that movie. <laughs> it's one of my top comedy, good favorite comedies. <laughs> I- uh, so I saw you nodding over there and I wasn't sure if you were like agreeing with me or with Vito. I was like, you all are just, <laughs> well, when, when you guys, oh, I, I love, <laughs> yeah, I love both Jojo rabbit and hunt for the wilder people, which is probably why I, I I'm keeping watching, uh, our flags mean death. Yeah. Well, whenever you guys do Jojo rabbit or hunt for the wilder people, I'm just, I just won't be there. Huh. I really do think huh. they're dad movies. Yeah. It's not for me. Yeah. Not this dad. Not this dad. All right. <laughs> Oh gosh, that's terrifying. <laughs> uh, Mike, what's up, buddy? Yeah, man, coming out of the Oscars, watched a lot of movies for that, and I guess I guess those are over now. So, I really enjoyed a couple of those. Really enjoyed uh, Macbeth and uh, Drive My Car. Those were like the last two that I saw, and I was really stoked about that. So I'm going to say that because I don't know when else I'm going to be able to talk about them again. But thought those were very enjoyable. Other than that. So I showed my, I don't know if I talked about this on the pod. I showed my kids The Empire Strikes Back a couple months ago. And I think you talked about that. I did? Okay. I think so. Good, because I did. I think that that, I think this might be the first time that I've broken with what I said previously. I was like, I was going to wait a couple of years when we talked about it. And then like a month later, I showed it to them. Right. But so we watched it again because we're gearing up for um, Return of the Jedi pretty soon. Jedi coming on back. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited for that. They they actually were the ones who wanted to watch it. And oh. I've been kind of like, like, hey, you guys want to watch it? I was kind of waiting on them to want to watch it again because I wanted to let them have, like we watched we watched A New Hope a couple times before watching Empire Strikes Back. And I wanted ha- them to have sort of like the story sort of down before we go to the next one. You, you're actually trying to do to them what you've been doing to yourself all along, which is why you can never make it the godfather part three is that you have this obsessive need to, to do the whole trilogy in one go exactly if you stop you have to restart you're giving them a complex mind well isn't that what a parent's supposed to do yeah but you're doing it on purpose isn't that what a parent's supposed to do what? <laughs> no no i just want them to like have no we're not watching a new hope again we'll see so that's what that's what we've been doing in in the michael household that's what's up Nice. It's, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting, you're descending to our level. So one of us is going to have to take up the mantle. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. So we've checked in on what we've all been doing and let's, uh, let's get into our show here. This is as previously mentioned, Gangs of New York from 2002, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. It's Day-Lewis. What, what do you, what do you yeah. want? Everyone knows Day-Lewis. The He's like incomparable the most actor ever. Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis. Yeah. The... The, the unrivaled actor. Daniel Day-Lewis. The yeah. greatest Daniel Day-Lewis. The retired Daniel Day-Lewis. I know. That guy's an asshole. Why did he do that to us? Come back. Phantom Thread's the last one? Really? Come back. <laughs> Phantom Thread is pretty marvelous. Bob Odenkirk can have, an, have an action movie. Okay? Denzel Washington has action movies. Liam Neeson has action movies. Where's Daniel Day-Lewis as the dad? Like, where's that action movie? <laughs> Where he goes, like, full method and has, like, another family that he has to live with for a few years. Like, <laughs> well, how do you know he's not filming a movie right now? This has been him method acting the entire time. Maybe <clears throat> he's going to be the retired actor. That's right. <laughs> That's his movie. His final role, though. His final role is the retired actor. <laughs> he has to actually die before he can play the role. <laughs> he's, pre- he's prepping. 
Uh, the genius. Did, didn't the he genius. retire like a, a couple times before and he come has. back? He has, but he's just, he's, he's quite a lot older than he, he had been prior. Like, I think he retired after this movie. Oh, right. Ooh. Okay. So he's, he's done it a couple times and people are just worried that this is the final time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's 2022 as of this recording and Phantom Thread came out in 2017. Um, he ain't getting any younger. The, the movie he had been in before 2017 was like, what, Lincoln? In 2012? 25th, yeah, yeah. And before that, it was There Will Be Blood. There Will Be Blood. 2007. He works quite infrequently. Yeah. Oh, no, no, he was in 9 in 2009, I think. Was that, was that 2009? Or am I just conflating the years? He's in, the, he's in that musical by Rob Marshall that I really liked. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, but before this, he hadn't been in anything since 97. That was 2009. And the reason I know that is because it was called 9, and then there was also that Animated um, movie called Nine. Yeah, the weird <laughs> animated one. <laughs> yeah, about the the dolls in, in the post apocalypse, the rag dolls. Yeah. Yes, I've watched the first like ten minutes of that. I think three times. I've never gotten through it. I watched I, the trailer I, and decided I'd never see it. I think it was think pretty cool. <laughs> I saw that in theaters. It was pretty cool. You could do worse. That's I'm not sure very high can. praise. But you watch Kung Fu Panda <laughs> three, and it's better than Kung Fu Panda three. <laughs> Should I show my kids Nine? It's rated PG-13, so I would wait a little bit. <laughs> so absolutely not. Yeah, so I... Yeah. It's like a really depressing Wally. I feel like... Yeah, <laughs> I, I need to be an edgy 13-year-old in order to want to see that. Yeah, I was, an edgy, I was an edgy 15-year-old. It was perfect. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's edgy in my mind. But you know who's who's always edgy in his own mind is Leonardo DiCaprio, who also stars mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. This is, uh, Dan, you have a great note here. Same year as Catch Me If You Can. He's really taken off. And I think that's actually kind of a part of the problem of this movie is that in the same year as he does Catch Me If You Can, which is relying upon his boyish charm and good looks, he is also trying to age up really, really hard for Gangs of New York and be like, I'm an adult. Take me seriously as a man. And he's like, but also I'm like, I could be mistaken for a 17 year old. <laughs> Cameron Diaz here. Also, John C. Riley, Jim Broadbent, Brendan Gleeson, tons and tons of people rounding out this cast. Like everywhere I looked, I was like, is that somebody? Is that somebody? Liam Neeson. I said Brendan Gleeson. And Liam Neeson yeah. is also in this. Yeah. Liam Neeson's also yeah, in this. Yeah, I just want to mention that. Is this the first Priest Valid? Is this the first Liam Neeson movie? No, he was in uh Dark Knight. No. Uh he was yeah, in Batman, Batman Begins. Begins. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, only two times? Yeah, it's wild. How have we done that? He's done a lot of bad movies too. This is true. You know? This is true. Yeah. Both he's done times some he's like all Both times he's been on the spot, he hasn't been the star. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he's in he's in approximately like six minutes here. But he's great. I mean, he steals those six minutes. That's for sure. Yeah. Until Daniel Day-Lewis comes on on stage and you're like, oh, wow, this is the guy I want to watch. <laughs> that opening is just like, oh, wow, person. Oh, wow, person. Oh, wow. Per- wow a lot of people here. And then Brandon Gleason kicks open the door and you're like, oh, but it's Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay, it's Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, yeah. he's going to kick this guy's ass. Yeah. <laughs> I did appreciate later in the movie they would do those flashbacks like Leonardo DiCaprio remembering because then I was like, oh, that's that's right. He was in earlier. If they had just assumed, I never would have made all Picked the connections. Yeah. Yeah. Like John, John C. Riley, I think everyone would have got. But I mean, the other well, dude. Was, the... was he a big deal when this came out? When did this come out again? 2002. He was not a big deal yet. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, of course, they have to flashback to him. But yeah. he'd been in like a few serious movies. Like he was working with Paul Thomas Anderson regularly. And he wasn't like a funny star at this point. 
No, right? no. Because Step Brothers comes out after this. Oh, much later. Yeah. Um, no, and his teaming up with Will Ferrell comes after this too. Like right. Anchorman's 2004, right. which is like the rise of McKay and Ferrell. Yeah. Um, and then everything that followed after. So at this point, I think he's just mostly known as a character actor. Yeah. Um, he's getting some time in the sun. Same as Brendan Gleeson also. Um, yeah. Just a well-known, good character actor. Not Knuckles McGinty as we know him now, right, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> John C. Riley, I have a tough time with just because I've seen him play such goofy roles. He kind of has a goofy looking face. Net, like once I've seen him in goofy roles, that's all I can relate him to. So everything on his face is very, it's very round. For whatever reason, it just seems like classic comedy to me. Maybe it's because <laughs> most cartoon characters look that way. <laughs> He looks, he looks kind of like a clown, you know. He's got the he's got the big round nose, and he's got the like the Santa Claus cheeks. You know, he looks very approachable. Yeah. But then, you know, he's a warrior. <laughs> he's a, terrifying. He's a corrupt policeman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah his in, character, I love him. Yeah. As an Irish, as part of an Irish gang in this movie, I think it fits. Yeah. It, it worked for me. His name's Riley. You know, John C. Riley. He, yeah. he, you're in his place here. Yeah. Anyone else you want to shout out? Anybody else or, or highlight anyone else before we keep going? I don't think so. Nobody comes to mind for me. There were a lot of people in here that were like familiar, but also not as many people as I thought, not as many people I knew as I thought I knew when I looked at like the list. So it was like, oh, that's not someone. That that one guy that you see in the beginning sharpening his like nail boots. Yeah. Who later comes back for about three minutes. I was telling my wife like, that's Patrick Wilson. You cannot tell me it's not Patrick Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not Patrick it's Wilson. It's not Patrick Wilson. It's someone entirely different yeah, that I don't even know the name different. of. Because yeah. I looked him up and then I was pissed about it because she was right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, I saw a different character. I, I don't even remember which scene it was, but he was in like three seconds of a scene and I could have sworn that it was Ron Swanson. And I I, I like scoured the internet looking to see if... Oh, Nick shoot, Offerman. Yeah, Nick Offerman. Thank you. Uh, if it was actually him and I couldn't find anything. So I'm still not convinced that it wasn't him, but uh, we'll see if I eventually find out that he's got a cameo in this. Mike's on the case right now. He'll, he'll report back. So you have to tell I us everything. This, you've I seen. forgot this in the what's up, but <laughs> I'm also late. watching it's it's gone. the wire. I've restarted the oh, wire nice. again for the third nice. time, restarted it. I have not got through the first <laughs> season, any of these three times, but it's been oh, like 15 here. years. Yeah. since the first time. Mm -hmm. um, it's fantastic. It's also like long and feels like it was made in 2000, yeah. uh, which it was when wires like having a device on you to record sound was like something wild and not like something that we carry around in our pockets every day. But when, when so having computers the, at your desk is like new technology. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like people don't know how to use a typewriter. I mean, we don't now, but uh, the guy who... I recognized uh, is Lawrence Gil Gilliard Jr., um, who is the, uh, he's the, I don't know his name in this movie, but he's the African-American guy. Oh, and he's the one that tries to rob DiCaprio. Yeah, he tries to rob DiCaprio at the beginning, mm -hmm. and then, but then becomes a part of his gang, and he plays, uh, oh my gosh, what is his name? One of the key characters in The Wire. Oh my gosh, I'm no just stumbling idea. through this. Don't even what know what that <clears throat> He's, he's the. Uh, is he the whistling guy? No, not him. Is he uh, the brother okay. to the... Uh, I'm going to jump in here and do something else while Mike's looking that up and mention right, this do. guy, This guy Henry Thomas, who plays the other guy that tries to rob DiCaprio. This mm -hmm. is uh, this is Elliot from E.T. Oh, nice. Oh, no way. It's D'Angelo Barksdale. 
There we go. Yeah. Oh, D'Angelo Barksdale. He's D'Angelo D'Angelo Barksdale? Yeah, he's D'Angelo fucking Barksdale. Like the oh my God. Like, Wait. he's he's a big guy. He's important is, in this show. He... Oh yeah, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, sorry, sorry, D'Angelo. Sorry, Lawrence Gilliard Jr. It's not your fault. It's because I have the memory of a peanut. That was so painful, Mike. It took you so long. <laughs> sorry, I wanted to laugh that whole time, but I knew it would just make you make it go longer. <laughs> Yeah, Henry okay. Thomas. Henry Thomas looks way different. I would have never thought that was the same person. And I have to give credit. Mm. I am not the one that made that pull. That was my wife. I don't know nice. how she did it, but she was the one that figured it out. And he's also fantastic in the in the haunting of Hill House that he's on, and in Gerald's game. He's great. He's really good. Michael, your first impressions of this movie. Um, my first impressions of this movie, I saw this for the first time a few years ago. I was trying to do like a deep dive into mafia movies and I got about to hear and then I stopped. And after it, I was going to watch Once Upon a Time in America and I did not watch Once Upon a Time in America. After watching this a couple nights ago, I was going to watch Once Upon a Time in America. I'm not going to watch Once Upon a Time in America. It's four and a half hours long. It's so long. I'm never going to watch this movie. It was really fun. So that's like a bit in one of the new movies that came out that I watched, Hand of God, about how this guy like never ends up watching Once Upon a Time in America, which is really funny. I, I didn't know other people had that experience. Because how, how often do you talk to people about how you have not watched Once Upon a Time in America? You don't talk about things you haven't watched, right? I actually have a coworker. Uh, his name's Jesse. And Jesse, if you're out there listening, congrats on the new job. Um, but I, shout I out to listening. Jesse. No, different Jesse. <laughs> different Way better no, no, than no, you do. No, you're talking to me. Talking to me. <laughs> but but this, this work, Jesse, he, he he's a big fan of movies. And he watches them pretty infrequently. Like, he'll, he'll watch a bunch, then he won't watch anything. And he comes to work one day, and he's like, yo, bro, you know, it's a great movie. Once Upon a Time in America. <laughs> What he said? Yeah, man. I just started watching it last night. It was awesome. I finished the whole thing. <laughs> I was like, you stayed up like half the night and watched Once Upon a Time. He's like, yeah, dude. It's a great movie. Great movie. <laughs> That's what people say. It's one yeah. of the best movies ever made. Yeah, it's, it's a, just four and a half hours long. So shout out to at least the one, the only person in my life that I know that has finished this movie. <laughs> I'm gonna do it someday. Yeah, I'm gonna do just it. Just not this day. <laughs> I can do it after <laughs> our flags mean death. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do it after this podcast tonight. <laughs> We're going to stay up to like midnight talking and then Dan's going to sign off and be like, all right, time for the real work. <laughs> First time I watched this, I think I fell asleep in the middle like three different times. So it was it was literally the middle. It was the scene at the like the, the Chinese restaurant or whatever it is. Oh, and it's a super important scene. It's a super important <laughs> scene. But so I rewatched that scene, I think, three times. Oh, um, and I thought that we spent a lot more time at the Chinese restaurant than we actually did in the movie. I thought like Leonardo DiCaprio had gone back there, like we had had like it had been a whole year since that. That he, I don't know, I don't was, know what I thought. Wasn't it like a, a certain sequence you had to keep pausing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when we did it? And you're like, so. why is this part forty five oh, yeah, minutes right, long? Because the kids like kept waking up that night. Yeah. It, was, I, it was probably the same situation. It's like this is the longest movie ever made. <laughs> It is not that interesting, Martin Scorsese. Who says you're a good filmmaker? <laughs> so this time around, I did not have to do that. Um, I got to sit down. I was gonna, I was gonna pause it halfway through and go to sleep, but I decided not to do that, and really enjoyed it a lot more than the first time I'd seen it. Which right. is great. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I'll say that. That's awesome. I mean, that's what you what you started to pitch this show, even this like uh, series about, right? Yeah. It's like I haven't seen some of these. Let's see them. Yeah, exactly. Jesse, what's your nostalgia for this movie? Or 
first, I don't know, is this the first time you've seen it? No, I I, I saw it a few years ago. Uh, didn't like it. Did you, did you, did you ever I, like it or do you, or do you just it. not like it now? Oh, no, back then I didn't like it. I still oh, okay. don't like it. Wow. Uh, so. you, dis, you actively disapprove. There are things that I like about it. You know, I like Daniel Day-Lewis. Seeing him on screen is, it's fascinating. He's just utterly wild. I enjoy seeing that. I enjoy seeing him go crazy and being a complex, weird antagonist in this movie. I enjoy the the semi-historical zany setting, because I know it's historical, but like it feels like it's just got a character of its own here. I, I think that's kind of cool. Like, it feels like a livable, breathable world. You know, it, apparently it was. It's New York, so. <laughs> Five pints. I, I enjoyed that. I And I enjoyed the beginning, and I sort of, I, well, we're, we're going to talk about the end later. You know, the X-Men fight scene at the beginning, great. Uh, <laughs> Lady with claws come out. It's just like, oh, oh yeah. Gosh. Oh, yeah. Everybody here has a different Without weapon. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy's got the club. That guy's got the boots. She's got the claws and the teeth. He's like, got what? the cross. He's yeah. got the cross because he's the priest. Like, it, reminds, what is it reminds me a lot of an X-Men showdown, that scene. It's like what? What's going on? What world have I entered with this? That that stupid theme that that was playing. It's not stupid, but it's been stuck in my head all day. So I call it stupid. Yeah, it's just like yeah. that little that little flute, and then the drums going on in the background. Yeah, I love the the craziness of that. It's mostly just the middle. I, I just don't enjoy the middle. What I want to see is I want to see Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio rise up and. When that starts happening, when he starts making the rival gang near the end, that's what I enjoy. And that's when that movie picks back up for me. But I don't like the, I'm not in for the romance. I'm not in for him being taken under the wing of the butcher. I wanted to see more of a plan from him. I wanted to see more agency on his end. But yeah, so once we get there, I start enjoying it again. It, re- it really doesn't seem like you you were on on board for what it was doing. No. It seems like the, it seems like the point of the movie is is about like, the DiCaprio struggle, not, not about actually the gangs of New York, yeah, <laughs> which is misleading that that's the title of the movie, but yeah, I just, I don't care about really DiCaprio. True, yeah. And that's, that's, I want to get into that later. I want to, yeah. cause mm-hmm. I also don't care now, but I did care. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me, let me just jump in here. Okay. So my, I, I've seen this movie a lot of times, like a lot of times. I used to really, really like this movie. Just like when we talked about in the 310 to Yuma episode, I thought that this was like great cinema. And for a large part is because my, my biological father one of the one of the last memories I had of him was him watching this. And so I figured I just had this like sense like this was like really high art. And I was so excited when I got old enough to see it. And I saw it in college and uh, I loved it. And there was a huge crowd. I mean, Jesse, Mike, you remember there's a crowd of people that liked Gangs of New York. Well, we, there's a future guest that's one of them. <laughs> but we would talk gangs and it was it, it was viewed in my eyes as like one of the better Scorsese movies. And I watched it a lot of times, showed it to a ton of people. But there was always some stuff that nagged me about it. And after being away for, gosh, eight years, I think it's been since I've seen this. Yeah, my nostalgia did let me enjoy the movie. But I have I have some very serious issues uh, with it now that I'd love to get into after maybe Dan tells us about his first impressions. Yeah, I, this is actually my first time watching it. I didn't grow up with any Scorsese in my life. And... 
anything I've watched of his has been in my adult life. And there's probably a good reason for that. I mean, his, his movies are geared towards, you know, adults. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, I don't think I'm going to show many Scorsese films to my kids. Spoilers for the next section. (laughs) Would you call uh, Martin Scorsese an adult filmmaker? (laughs) Yes. He's the adult filmmaker. Tongue in cheek for sure. It's great. great. (laughs) But yeah, I, I definitely had mixed feelings about it. It definitely, there was a lot that I loved. There's a lot that I like really, really liked. There were a lot of set pieces that were just brilliant. This last Christmas, we watched the movie Claws, which is like a animated movie about the origins of Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. And there's a big part of that is that the main character, who's this like very spoiled kid that never learned how to work a day in his life, uh, ends up being sent out to the middle of nowhere to like run a postage service and he hates it and he's going to just, you know, cut corners everywhere he can. Does he become Santa Claus? And I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, (laughs) yeah, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. uh, Who knows? Who could know? (laughs) Um, But when he first gets to like this obscure town in like Eastern Europe, that's like frozen over. Is it, is it ruled over by the burger Meister Meister burger? <laughs> I don't know the reference. It, it, it's you not, don't know the reference? It's not. It's not I, the Rankin Bass Santa Claus is coming to town. The claymation one. It's to me. You've seen. Oh, you've oh, seen oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Burger Meister Meister burger. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry. It was a stupid joke. I thought it would land, but it, it didn't. Uh, no, no, that's funny. I just need to watch more claymation. Um, or not. It's <laughs> But there's two gangs. Basically, he arrives at this town and it's like a ghost town. And then he realizes, actually, it's run by these two gangs. And there's this courtyard where they all fight every time a bell is rung. And <laughs> it's really funny. And it's really well done. Actually, yeah, I would recommend this, honestly, as a, a good animated film. But I couldn't help but think of that during the opening scene with these two <laughs> gangs coming out in the snow and fighting, I was like, this is definitely where they got their their inspiration for that, that movie. <laughs> Could you imagine the them writing the script for that? Like, you know, you know what we should base a Santa Claus movie on? Gangs of New York. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying we throw it some gangs, one of them be the elves. I don't know. <laughs> I mean the timeline probably lines up where it's like somebody like Vito's age watched it, watched Gangs of New York when they were a kid loved it and then they became an animator and what are they going to do they're going to pull from what they know and yep. <laughs> yeah. you know my inspiration for the gangs and claws you know is, was really the sort of the, the struggle for the dead rabbits against uh, against the nationals you know that's really where it came from <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so i so I, yeah i definitely have a lot of things to say about how i feel about this movie but those are kind of my general yeah my general feelings towards it loved it but definitely a lot of things that I kind of didn't love. So, yeah. well, so, so what, you loved and you didn't love. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Love, hate, you it's, know. Yeah. Yin-yang. Mixed feelings. Mixed feelings. Yes, exactly. Mm. There's just like a lot in this movie, right? Like it's just, there are so many choices that get made about everything. That's like wild. Like yeah. even that opening scene where they're coming out 
like that's just really confusing. It's really cool, but it's also like, where are we? We're coming yeah. up from like these the, caves. The, what and the, what the, year is the, it? The year slow, is it? The slow pan out, and you see like the three story gypsy colony. Can I say that even the three story like it's, whatever place that they all live in? And then we go outside, and the fight yeah. happens, and now there's like electric guitars that are occurring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is happening? Here? I I honestly yeah. didn't think it was in New York. I was like, oh, this is probably like. 1600s 1500s like really old backstory like there's yeah. going to be some legends that are created but it, here but it's it's called gangs of new york though dan right 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 but i Not i was like this is thank you Vito. <laughs> it's, it's like 2001 a space odyssey you know it starts a long time before 2001 yeah, yeah. you start with the, for 2001 a space odyssey <laughs> you start with the monkeys <laughs> And then eventually you get to people. It seems so like it's you're expecting be at a certain moment, medieval. like the head, yeah. the head is going to go flying up in the air and it would spin and it would turn into something else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. The Statue of Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fun well, fact about that brewery, though. Apparently it existed and it really did house like up to 1,000 people at one point. 1,000 yeah. like Im- Irish immigrants that all lived there. Yeah. Most of that stuff was. Uh, he built the set based off of like historical images, and yeah, so that that thing existed at some point in time. Probably yeah. not with the caves, though. D- didn't they build the set in Rome? I read somewhere. Yes, so this was all filmed in Rome. That Scorsese built this massive set, and then apparently George Lucas showed up one day and was like, "You know that we can all we can do all of this in CGI now." <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and then Scorsese like tried to attack him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and He's then, like, I've seen your movies lately. Your movies. <laughs> we can't do this. In and, yeah. and like we we know like Scorsese and Lucas go back a long time, but do you yeah. think at a certain point Marty's like, go away, <laughs> get out of here, <laughs> take your pod races and yeah. get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I'm making art. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Uh, well, Dan, wait, wait, wait. having mixed feelings, when would you show this to your kids, if you ever will? I I don't think this is on. It's definitely not going to be a top of the list to show to my kids. It's a tough one. I definitely think maybe high school, like once they've learned about the Civil War and they understand something of like the abolitionists and the, you know, what all of that, what all of those politics meant they're going to have some kind of context to watch this under because there's a lot of themes in this movie, right? There's like all of the racist stuff, civil war, the draft, and then there's all the gangs and like all of it's layered on top of itself. And there's so much going on. It's, it's a very complex movie in a complex environment. So maybe, maybe once they're learning about the civil war, like 15, 16, 17 even maybe i'd show this to my to my kids i don't know i haven't fully processed it myself yet so i think i'm interested to hear what you guys say i'm I'm definitely up for ideas for when to show this to your kids what do you think jesse yeah no i'm not going to show this to my kids <laughs> <laughs> i'll just I, I guess if i ever wanted to i would also do it around <laughs> high school like like we said, Scorsese is the adult filmmaker. <laughs> so so he, I, you should be an That'd adult. Be a grown up. Yeah, you should be yeah. an adult to appreciate. 
Scorsese. That's what I think. Anyway, I, I think that's all I got to say. Vito, <laughs> when are you going to show this to your kids? Oh, when it comes time to learn about the Civil War, I'm just going to hand him a, a Blu-ray two-pack of Gangs of New York and Lincoln. I'm going to let Daddy Daddy Day-Lewis do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Actually, um, I, if you'd asked me in college, I would have said this is one of the, the more important ones. I'm, I'm Irish. Irish people are part of my heritage, and that was never super emphasized to me growing up. And so I kind of had to to figure that out kind of on my own, how I feel about that that side of my family and, and all of that. And so this is one of the things that I used. I don't know. Uh, not anymore. I don't, I don't think this is essential viewing for my kids. And I think I will show them some Scorsese. I mean, we talked about Goodfellas. They're seeing Goodfellas, man. If they want to, if they want to do it on their own, that's great. And we can talk about it. There's tons that's going on in this movie. That's, that could make for a great conversation, but that's not anything that I want to emphasize at this point. How do you feel, Mike? Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I don't know if this is a movie, like, I don't feel a, a burning desire to show this to my children. I do like I see I see like possibly doing it in a couple ways like if they're old enough to see Goodfellas they're old enough to see this movie that's how kind of how I feel and so if I'm showing them Goodfellas and I'm showing them and we're walking through Martin Scorsese's like gangster movies like this is going to be a part of the wing the wing of your house yeah yeah exactly (laughs) like this is going to be a part of that and we'll talk about like hey you know like this maybe this is a bit of a b-side maybe compared to all of the other ones maybe but there's there's a lot here. There's a lot of big ideas that are maybe not fully like fleshed out, you know, like he's sort of bringing them up and making them really important. And then I don't know if we get a full conclusion on it, which maybe like that's that's the way it has to be. with some. But there's, you know, there's parts of it that are really great parts of it that are really maybe bad. And uh I enjoyed it a lot, but it's not necessarily something that I think like needs to be passed down. That, that's, that's really interesting that we, we've come to like a, a, a mixed to low consensus <laughs> on, because uh, if you told me that I would have a movie podcast eight years ago, I would have said, well, duh. But then yeah. if, if you told me that I'd have a movie podcast eight years ago where I would have come out and said, don't really like Gangs of New York, I would have assumed you're talking about somebody else. It's weird. Wait, so I really want to hear about like, I mean, you said that you talk later about how like you related to it as a young man and then how like that's completely changed. Yeah, I'd like to do it in in the context of of talking about some favorite scenes. My favorite scene when I was younger, I mean, besides for the opening scene, because the opening scene just kicks just kicks every ass, like every ass that's out there is just being kicked in a really cool way. Mm -hmm. And I really liked, though, when I forget there's there's just a line of dialogue that I really like. So maybe calling it a scene is not quite right. Um, but when he's talking to Bill and, and the narration's happening and he's, he's talking about how, like, he's been taking under the wing of the dragon and he found it warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, I love that idea because in this movie, what I like so much about this movie is that at times it feels so like Shakespearean and operatic. And at other times it feels like a real, real clunky piece of work. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like you've got the hood of a Lamborghini on top of like a 1920s jalopy. <laughs> like there's just things that don't go, but, mm-hmm. but they're smashed like Suicide together. doors on a, yeah, a, suicide on a doors, bottle T. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like on a horse-drawn carriage. Yeah. They just don't, they're in the same genre of thing, but they're not really even close. Like th- this is something that that's, should be, you know, longer. This should be three hours long. This should be sweeping and epic. And instead it feels like he's trying to make that sweeping epic move at the pace of Goodfellas. 
and and very few things can move at the pace of Goodfellas. But then he he stops it dead, and he's like, "All right, now we're gonna have a really long conversation." And he's like, "All right, kicking it back up." And then we got like the marching bands, and now we're gonna have another brawl, and like the house is on fire, and we're gonna introduce characters and kill them off. It it moves so fast in in its pace so poorly. And it's so confusing, so many of the motivations happening. I think DiCaprio is wildly miscast. Um, and I even thought that back then, but I thought I could look past it because I don't know why. But so this movie is supposed to come out in 2001. They thought that that wouldn't work very well because of the terror attacks. And they didn't want to sort of talk about New York City in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, There's even a, a conversation about editing out the Twin Towers right, at the end of the movie. Right. But mm. they shelved this movie for a full year until 2002. And I'm just flashing back to how weird would it have been to see Leonardo DiCaprio in 2001, Gangs of New York, the next year in Catch Me If You Can. Like, I don't, I don't think that would have worked. And I think that one of those movies would have suffered very much in comparison. The fact that both of them come out in the same year means one can be kind of forgotten, which Gangs of New York is. And that's, I think that's how I kind of feel about it now is it, it seems important for DiCaprio and Scorsese. Scorsese wanted to tell this story and it's a great story, but he's also forced to cut out a lot because Harvey Weinstein made him and he was forced to add narration, which wasn't there either. This movie's oh, 20 minutes really? longer. He was forced to add narration. Yes, this movie's 20 that. minutes longer. Yeah. And he said, too long, add narration. And narration is the worst thing about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's oh, so clunky. I, I heard it was three Sorry. and a half hours long before. So the like theater, I had a full first. 45 minutes Oof. longer, which I agree I would have liked that more. <laughs> right. There were parts that felt very rushed as long of a movie as it was, there were parts that felt like, like, wow, that character was supposed to be much bigger. And I was supposed to feel a lot when they died. And then they were just dead. And you're like, whoa, okay. This is from the Wikipedia page here. In December, 2001, film critic Jeffrey Wells reviewed a purported work print of the film as it existed in the fall of 2001. Wells reported the work print lacked narration was about 20 minutes longer. And although it was quote, different than the theatrical version, scene after scene after scene play exactly the same in both. Despite the similarities, Wells found the work print to be richer and more satisfying. Um, while Stor- Scorsese has stated the theatrical version is his final cut, he reportedly passed along the three-hour-plus work print version of Gangs on tape to friends and confided, putting aside my contractual obligation to deliver a shorter two-and-a-hour and 40-minute version of Miramax, this is the version I'm happier with. Gotcha. Um, I think it just, it, just, it just needs to it needs to breathe. Yeah. The movie doesn't breathe. So if it, if it came out nowadays, it would probably come out with a director's cut. I would imagine like, cause that's more acceptable nowadays Yeah, that you have theatrical and then the longer director's cut. Or if you're just Scorsese, you just go to Netflix and just, you know, here's here's, the whole thing. Yeah. Here's my three and a half hour bomb. Boom. Sorry. I don't know if that quite answered the question. I think I feel it's too critical on it. I still love a lot of stuff. The style's great. The music's fantastic. The music, this whole thing is beautiful. Uh, well, until I, the final song. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to hear. So, so what did you like relate to so much with the movie? Like oh. as, as a kid, like, oh. was it like, were you like, I am Leonardo DiCaprio? Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what you're supposed and I to felt, feel. I felt really conflicted because he has the two father figures. Right. Um, And that was going on in my life at the time too. And I, I felt very, very much like one, one was, they were both kind of misleading me in, in such that neither of them had my best interests at heart. It felt like sometimes, and so there was a there's a deep personal thing I was reading into it that is, it, it doesn't have the substance to support it. Now that I'm older and I can view it objectively, um, and that actually kind of broke my heart. I don't know. This movie was very important to me for a long time because of Amsterdam, and uh, and now now that I'm an older person, you know, older than Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, significantly. Yeah. 
You're yeah. an old man. I know. It You're just like, doesn't ring yeah. true. Yeah. It doesn't ring true anymore. <laughs> Somebody else talk. I don't know who to throw to. Yeah. I think that that's all there. Like the conflict that Amsterdam has between like his two father figures. Like he grows up like worshiping his dad and his actual father and, you know, wanting to get vengeance on, on Bill the Butcher. But Bill the Butcher actually has like a ton of charisma and like he cares. He shows that he cares for the kid, for Amsterdam. What's his actual name? It's Amsterdam. It's Amsterdam. Amsterdam Ballon. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> your your confusion. Like uh, yeah, your confusion. <laughs> I was, I thought he was giving a fake name. I did. He, for the first half of the movie. But then everybody just continued to call him Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Yeah, well, yeah, was, when, oh, okay. when he yeah. first says it, it sounds like he just made it up. Yeah. So that I was like, oh, somehow we're going to figure out what his real name is. And I, th- oh, I think that's because DiCaprio. I think that's because DiCaprio does not have a handle on this accent at all. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Oh, this, man. this accent is writing him. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Well, either way, I, I think like that's 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 meaningful, but like there is something lost there. I I don't know. I found that. I found that interesting. I think the movie do- what the movie does do a good job with is sort of the I enjoyed it a lot this time around is the reveal of the falseness maybe of certain ones of his father's friends. So like as he when he comes back mm-hmm. to the five points after being away for 15 years, you know, he starts seeing like the same faces that he knew and he's like wondering, can I trust this guy? Can I not? And I mean, I think that the two, you know, the angel and the devil are uh, John C. Riley and uh, Brendan um, Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson, and you know what about what, what's his face, McGill. Oh yeah, McGill as well. You know, there's there's these people oh, yeah. who fought. They were on his father's side, and now like they've all taken different roles in this society. But everyone remembers Priest Valen, and everyone every, like they still throw a, a party for it every you year, know, every single year, is because he's the only man that that Bill the Butcher has ever killed worth remembering. Yep. Which is like, there's a draw to that. That's kind of cool. Like mm-hmm. you've killed so many people and like, there's one guy that you think is worth remembering and he's my dad. Like, that's cool. I want to like, maybe I should, should take care of you. I think that that's an interesting, I, don't, I think it's interesting. I think the reveal is cool. Yeah. Is, is that your favorite sequence of scenes, Mike? My favorite scene is when, um, Bill the Butcher uh, wakes Amsterdam yeah. up in the bed. Yeah, he's sitting with, with the, the American flag. With the American flag. <laughs> that's an image that will never leave. You know, oh, that's dude. amazing. And, and he just sort of like soliloquizes about all, I, like, I don't know if there's a through line that I can express. You know, you know what's amazing is I, I love that scene and I couldn't tell you one thing that they said in that scene. Like, yeah, <laughs> other than... It's after that scene that Amsterdam, that Leo Leo DiCaprio decides that he, yes, he will kill this guy. Yeah. Well, um, well, he says most of the things that that Mike just brought up, but he says that uh, that yeah, his father was <clears throat> or Priest Valen was the only man worth killing. You've seen his picture downstairs. Um, yeah. Yeah, we were very similar. I, I'm not going to do the accent; it's going to be terrible. <laughs> well, he You're better about- than I could. <laughs> but he talks about like how similar they were and how in some ways they, they seem to be the same person, how, and then he starts talking about how Priest Fallon granted him mercy, right? And yeah, he gave he, him the eye. He took out his own eye and sent it to him. Maybe the only conversation I remember from the movie, because it's super striking. Like all those, Im- that that's all very vivid. It's very vivid. I think, I think the reason I didn't, 
I didn't remember it is because that text is so on the nose that yeah. I, I thought I just, I thought I had inferred what was said. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't remember that I was told that, you know what I mean? The eye is a great story. That's a really good character moment. But mm-hmm. the rest of that stuff, I, that's stuff that I remember about the movie thinking about it. I didn't know that I was yeah. told it in yeah. the movie. Yeah. And he tells you that like Priest Valen had given him like a beating, beat him to a pulp. Well, I mean, it's the point around which the movie turns. Um, it's the hinge, right? Like we get the revelation about kind of how close Valen and the butcher were. Like they they actually were close. If they were not rivals, they would have been friends, I think. And maybe they couldn't have ever been friends because of how similar they were. But like we get this mirroring that occurs late as the movie progresses where, you know, like Amsterdam gets beaten bloody by by Bill the Butcher and mm-hmm. shown mercy to. And then, you know, it sort of progresses like that. And we see sort of like this parallel life that's going on uh, or, or how their lives are, are parallel. And, and as a first time viewer, that scene was, I, I wasn't sure if DiCaprio was actually going to like side with, with Daniel Day Lewis for real at that point. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if this was going to be the moment where he's like, yeah, actually this guy is a father figure and I'm okay with that. Um, I'm not going to just seek revenge on him. So I, I definitely saw that scene as like pivotal for where the plot was going to go next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, gosh, like there he is. He's in bed with Cameron Diaz, who like we know has Bill the Butcher, has like had a long history with her. And like he's Daniel Day was like, oh, I don't care. Like, take whatever you want, you know, and th- it's just it's a really weird and interesting scene yeah. Um, yeah. where we get everything like we're just told. Here you go. This is <laughs> these are the stakes. Yeah, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, like, it's nice yeah. to know. It's yeah. especially yeah. like when you're swimming around with all like the Tammany shit. Tammany shit. <laughs> you guys like the Tammany shit? I I, I don't think it's T.T. Barnum too. Like I, I I do enjoy when they're getting everybody to vote and getting everybody to shave. I, I thought that was it's kind of funny and I and it actually shows that the gangs do have some sort of power around there. But like the Tammany shit, like I like the character like i enjoy watching him but i i feel like they don't really get into i'm not fully aware really of what tammy's really trying to do here he's trying to he's always trying to get the irish votes yes right yeah is that is that all it boils down to he's trying to get the irish votes so that he can he can be in power and stay in power right and he's he's trying to kind of organize the city more and originally that he saw that with bill because bill has you know the five points is a finger, and when I close my hand, it turns all of New York into my fist. And so you see, like, the very obvious kind of underpinnings of stuff that, that Scorsese works on later and stuff like in The Godfather, right? You, the gangs, organized crime helps organize a city, right? It, it, it helps keep the, all the people together doing the things that people need to do and make sure everyone on the top gets paid. And it's only when the gang warfare starts up that Tammany sees he has to like change allegiances. I think the point of that, like with the firefighters specifically and stuff, like yeah, yeah, firefighters are able to actually put out a fire because Bill the Butcher comes up. So that's Mm -hmm. the power, right? Is that there's the the figurehead Tammany, but the real power is Bill. And I think the point of Tammany there is just to show Bill's how how important Bill is. You know, Bill runs the city, um, or at least his neighborhoods, right, pretty aggressively. And I, I thought that was why. Um, we got into politics because I don't think you could have a gangster movie without touching into politics. Then it's just 
Oh yeah, you always need to have it. Well, but but then like I I think it's also like this movie reaching grasping for more than it can quite like hold, you know, mm-hmm. reaching for more than it can grasp because like the Tammany Hall story, like this is true stuff. Like yeah. this is actually mm-hmm. what happened. I mean, like in the in the final scene, like we've got this. It's almost like a Godfather end of the Godfather type sequence. Uh, although I don't think it rises there, where we've got like the rich guy Scorsese um, praying. That's Scorsese. That's Scorsese who's eating the breakfast, and then the, the soldiers come through his house. Oh, you're really? talking about yeah. Oh, the guy sitting at the prayer. No. Yeah, yeah. He's sitting at the table oh. with his family, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little guy with the big bushy eyebrows. Oh. Well, oh, yeah, that's right. uh, the guy we're with probably Horace talking Greeley. about a different scene. Yeah, maybe it's like the, the final, like the beginning of the final mob riot. I, I don't know who it is, but like it's no, it's the rich old guy who we've seen like it's the old guy who we've who... seen go through the five points. And like he's trying oh, to oh, that guy, that guy, like he's being a philanthropist, but he's not. Oh, you know, he's okay. kind of a crappy oh, right. person. He's a tourist. Yeah. And like we see a little bit like we do get a revelation into his character when they're shooting pool and he's like, oh, you know, they're animals. So we've got that going. We've got Bill the Butcher making his prayer. And then we've got Amsterdam Vala making his prayer. Like they're all they're all like making their own sort of prayer. And it's like, oh, these mm-hmm. guys are all the same, maybe or they're different. And it's trying. I think that the movie's trying to make this overall statement about like the interaction of the downtrodden and the poor and how they trod down on one another but really the overarching villain is the rich in some way or something like that like it's it's definitely hinting at that it's it's trying to make this yeah yeah. it's it's like it's it's hinting at it hard enough that that you're picking up on it right it's but but it never actually says anything (laughs) exactly it doesn't quite like get there you don't quite see the reflections all the way through you're like oh the rich yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I thought it said it. I mean, to me, that that came across loud and clear. Like, yeah, I thought it was saying that. Uh, and then, like, right after that, the brick comes through the rich guy's window. Like, yeah, eat it, rich people. No, I mean, yeah. by, by saying that, I mean, what I'm saying is it showed you this, but it didn't actually make a statement about it at all. It just said, like, and then the rich people were attacked. And that's good because the rich people were part of the corruption. But that, it, like, it's just said in such, like, simple sentences and there's nothing specific. You know what I mean? That that's what yeah. I mean by by it doesn't say anything is that it 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 acknowledges that it exists and then moves on. And there's nothing to add. Yeah, that's that's how I felt about a lot of the scenes in this movie is like as standalone messages or as standalone portrayals of a theme or portrayals of the historical context. They were really powerful. But there were so many and they were saying so many different things that it just felt like the movie was trying to say too many things. And yeah. like my, my favorite scene was the, the scene where it was showing the immigrants coming off of the boat and they were being given citizenship, being drafted into the, <laughs> into the war, being loaded onto the back onto the boats <laughs> to go out and the coffins, the final thing of the coffins being brought off the boats. It was like, this is, amazing that is an amazing i think it was a one shot you know mm-hmm. of, yeah. of all of that happening it was phenomenal it had a very like almost like a gone with the wind type feeling of just like oh my gosh and then that and then oh my gosh that's happening next and you you just kind of like were in awe at how massive and heartbreaking this this story is of these immigrants you know, coming in and then just dying for a country 
that they became a citizen of two, you know, two days ago or two hours ago, two seconds ago, two seconds ago. Yeah. I mean, like if you see the whole cycle like that, yeah. that quickly. So that, that was my favorite scene because it was so powerful, but at the same time, all of the civil war stuff was very much like shoehorned into it. It wasn't, you know, the gangs and their politics and the corruption is really what the movie was about. And the civil war stuff was just, it was in there, but it wasn't, you know, like you saw the butcher throw the, uh, the knife at the image of Lincoln, which is kind of funny because Daniel day Lewis eventually plays Lincoln, but <laughs> <laughs> like you see scenes like that. And then you see like random moments of racism that are just atro- totally atrocious. Like I, I felt like I was watching like two or three movies spliced together and each of those could have made a great movie if they had been by themselves. That, that was one of my big conflictions or difficulties with watching it was just how much was going on and how many different messages were, were coming out in the different scenes. Uh, go ahead, here, hang on. Sidebar. Would this movie be better as a TV show? Oh, yeah. Yes. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Like a 10-episode ten, HBO TV show? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Then then you can get, like, you know, then you can get the corruption, you can get the rich people, you can get the different mobs, you can get the gangs, you can get the fighting, get the Civil War shit, yeah. the racism, yeah. the firefighters, you get all of them, put them all together, and just have, like, episodes <laughs> about it, building to a giant conclusion. Like, yes. And, and, like, so yeah. so one of the other issues that I have with this, this is, like, crazy tonal shift that goes on throughout it, because, like, you got the hilarious scene of the firefighters, and yeah. then, like, You've got like, oh, it's like there, there's hijinks. There's a bunch of hijinks that happen. But that's really fun. Yeah. And then like, oh, there's like this horrible like murder scene. I'm like, hey, he's going to butcher him. Like, what is happening? That guy, here? that guy has been impaled by a fence. Yeah. Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. just oh, they are, they are stepping in a pool of blood, a literal yeah. pool of blood covering <laughs> the street. Huh. I'm thinking that like, is there that much blood in a person? <laughs> I, I think like thirty people. So. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. Um, but like, I don't like think what Dan was saying, gets you there though. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but what Dan, what Dan was saying, though, so the Irish thing, yeah. it is a powerful scene. But the first time I saw it, I definitely laughed. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I, I understood it was powerful, but only after, like, it kept going. Because at first you're like, that's funny. Well, I think it's, it's so, shot it's that so way. Uh, it's because, it's ironic. That's sad. Yeah. yeah, it's because it's 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 in the middle of all the hijinks stuff yes like you were just saying yeah but the sad so, song is playing and it just doesn't it's not enough to clue you in you know and and it, i think i feel like it does it a couple times like it reminds you of this a little bit later and then it shows you like the list of dead and they're all like from new york with irish last names which means yeah. that they had literally just stepped off the boat well there's the song and the, the, the right right yeah. when they're like i should have stayed at home in dear old dublin and yeah it's, like, it's yeah. sad you're supposed yeah. to, but you're right it's in the middle of the hijinks which is why i didn't yeah. i didn't know how to feel yeah i'm supposed to feel marty if this was episodic, you could have had those different themes, almost like the crown comes to mind mm-hmm. where every episode is kind of its own piece of the history piece of, you know, the context of the main story. And, you know, it's episodic. It has its own arch in the, in the episode. And it's fine if the next episode feels very different because yeah. it's, it's the next episode and you're kind of expecting that. So I, I definitely agree that I would have liked this as a longer but more episodic mm-hmm. type story. It, it really feels like this is supposed to be a historical drama epic, 
mixed with uh, some operatic tragedy almost, except it's not quite a tragedy because um, he doesn't die at the end. Like when you're talking about how he has these things in there and he doesn't really add. Like I was looking up the historical aspect of this a little bit. And most of this stuff happened at some point in history. There really was these giant mobs. They weren't shelled by the Navy, but they did took day, it took days to put them down. And they were going around, like, destroying, like, mansions and lynching black people on the street at the same time. And there really was uh, a, ma- a gang called the Dead Rabbits. They were an Irish gang, and there, there were, like, other, like, native gangs and there really was a bill the butcher he didn't he did have his own gang but it was mainly to influence the voting because the voting thing really did happen so all that stuff this is all to say that all those elements are really like really happened in history and it seems like he's trying to get that across trying to get across that that feeling of what it's like to be in this time in this place with these sorts of things happening to the point where I, it, it's almost like we're we're getting too lost in the fact that these things happened, and and trying to put forth a cohesive story, which is let, what I don't let, feel like we get. No, I think we should keep going on that track. I, I have a lot to agree with you about, but I'm gonna uh, cyber ended. It, it, um, it, it's like Charlie Day, you know, yeah. like smoking like four cigarettes and like trying to <laughs> trying to like yeah. connect all the pieces. It's yeah. like when you take a step back, you're like, wait a second, like calm down. Uh, actually, can we can we jump over? Uh, well, actually, Jesse, before before we talk about oh, yeah. your, your question here, because I want to talk about your question, but I first want to hear your favorite scene if you have one. I mean, it's the beginning. It's yeah. the be- it's just the opening, mm-hmm. like when they're when they're marching down, they're marching down the caves, and it's the father and the son, and all the friends, all the friends who are like oddly happy that they're all about to go die, and you have no idea what's coming. At least the first time I watched it, like I. Guess they're gonna go fight because they all have weapons, but they are so happy right now. And <laughs> and, and oh, here here's a priest like giving him communion before they head out, <laughs> right? <laughs> With these, it's like bats. really creepy. Yeah, it also it's... looked like leaven bread. Just like, <laughs> just apropos of nothing. Sorry, but uh, and, it, and and the yeah, chalice and... was like, is that even a cup? Yeah, or is that like uh, a skull? I, I think I think it's full of glass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so are are they Protestant Irish or Catholic oh, Irish? They're, they're definitely Catholic. They're definitely Catholic, Catholic Irish. Yeah. Okay. Because I they I don't can't. know that you can't kill people in churches. Yeah. Or have they kids if you're a priest. That. You just you just move along. I don't think he's actually a priest. They just called him priest because he killed people with a cross. I'm pretty sure. So it it seems like he's cosplaying really hard. You know, because well, I would cosplay like, so that, so that Bill as a warrior. Like, I would throat. cosplay as a medieval knight, and I think that this is this is a it's a priest. Just call him priest. Okay, so <laughs> so I like I was really curious about this. I was thinking about that for about two and a half hours of watching this movie when I watched it, and like afterwards, I looked up reviews, and no one seemed to be uh, certain whether or not he was actually a priest. But Roger Ebert didn't think he was a priest, so I'm going with that. I don't know. Is this this is every now and then you have a parasite trash take. <laughs> This is another parasite <laughs> trash take. All right. I mean, yeah. The, the reason I bring up Catholic and Protestant is that I was hit reading that, like everybody knows in Ireland, the North and the South have had their fair share of fighting, mm-hmm. but that that was actually a big part of the the Protestant Irish. I believe were the first ones to come over and fight with the English, you know, colonials, and then when the Catholic Irish came over they basically had no friends, not even the Irish that had already been there. Well, and so they were fighting yeah. with everybody as well. Like there were gangs of Irish that were Protestant that would also fight with the, the gangs of 
Catholic Irish. So it wasn't just all Irish men were in a gang. It was infighting between the Irish as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they get into the infighting at all. But I, I'm sure that's a thing because they, they kind of mentioned that they all used to be in gangs back in Ireland. Now they're all here. Right. But I, I think the Catholic thing is important here because that goes with uh, the kind of like how foreign they are. Culturally, like New York is, is more Protestant. So you have a bunch of Catholics coming here to change the culture and take the jobs. They're, they're fighting back about it. Historically speaking, and I think that's definitely in the movie. I definitely picked, yeah. picked up. I, on he that. calls them Roman Catholics, yeah, and papists. Yeah. And he, you're popery. Yeah, in one of his speeches, he oh, talks yeah, about right. how that's they're right. not yeah. even American because they take their orders from the bishop, from, from the bishop of Rome, from <laughs> guy. I think he makes fun of his hat or yeah. something. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're all they're all told to. Also, which goes yeah, into like the, the native. I, I feel like if thing, you have yeah. a character in a Scorsese movie, implied Catholic. <laughs> like I think that's just how it works. <laughs> he's Unless, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Unless he's yeah. the bad guy. Uh, even no, well, sometimes in, especially if they're the bad guy, you never know. Oh, that's a great scene. I really love that scene. I, I could watch that scene all day. Oh, yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's the best way to open a movie like this. And in some ways it's also kind of one of the worst ways because it primes you to see a movie about the gangs of New York. And, yeah, and this is I, about that, but it's mostly about the gangs being in New York, not necessarily yeah. the fighting. Yeah. yeah, usually my favorite scenes are opening scenes because usually they're great and they set the tone of the movie. This time, I, I just think this the scene is great, but it does not set the tone of the movie at all. This scene yeah. kind of fails as an opening scene, in my opinion. Like it does hook you, but man, that this is not what the this is not representative of what happens next. It's it's there as a bookend, right? Because mm-hmm. the movie's bookended by the fight with Bill in this spot, right? Father, father versus bill and son versus bill. It's super important yeah. um, that it works dramatically like that. Something I love about this opening sequence though, is that it gets progressively more gnarly. <laughs> like it's, it's, it starts out and it, like, he's got the strings doo doo doo. And it's like, you know, a club mm-hmm. to the head. And now then we're just like, then, then we're seeing some throats cut. Then there's a leg broken. And <laughs> then it just gets like really crazy. And you're like, it's, it reminded me of the scene in Anchorman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that really got Where'd out you of get hand. a trident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, like at the beginning, it was like, oh man, like this, I remember this being like, like a brutal scene. And yeah. like, I'm looking, it's like, he's not even like touching these guys with his, this is bad. Like this is, this is even like good direction. Like this is bad. And it's then, like old epic. Flip, and then yeah. suddenly, like the girl flies out of the air and rips out a guy's throat with her teeth, and you're like, "Holy shit, we're in a new movie." <laughs> and that's kind of like this whole movie. It goes from being like, "Oh, this is kind of silly and and fun, funny," to be like, "Wow, this is really intense." Very. Quickly. Oh, by the way, uh, the claw girl. Apparently, she existed. Apparently, she had fangs and claws. <laughs> and we talked about. Ass. Biting people's throats out. Based anyway, on a true story. Yep. She is a historical figure. I don't know um, if she's a real historical figure, but she's a historical figure. Someone someone definitely saw her do something like that and then like talked about it as if she did it every day. She was drunk like one time, guys. <laughs> it probably was that. It was like one time, guys. Um, <laughs> I only been to start out one time. <laughs> but I did want to talk about, about your question, Jesse, continuing kind of like opening it up a little bit more. Um, about the ending and the civil war, like you got the salt, the Navy coming through and then you had the gangs fighting each other and then the gangs yeah. fighting the rich people it, and yeah. at every moment, like something crucial happens, right? It cuts to like a newspaper clipping, 
you know, a, like a drawing of that thing. And then it shows you that in real life. And it keeps doing that, you know, like to, to show you like this happened. This was yeah. real. But it's it's bizarre because it seems super intentional. And what I was anticipating the movie doing or saying or showing, it, it never does that. So what I, what I thought it would be showing is maybe that the two gangs going at it at the same time as the mob and uh, the Union soldiers would be representative of like two larger gangs just going at it and two equal crazy gangs with equal power. And no, it just on one side, you got these two gangs and they are equal and that's uh bill, the butcher and then the, and the dead rabbits. And then you got the union soldiers who just blow away this mob <laughs> and just like litter the, the streets with blood. I was trying to draw parallels, like why why are these things and these confrontations happening at the same time? I, I don't fully get it, I guess. Uh, this is a genuinely open question. Like, why is it ending this way? Because it seems like it seems like it should have just ended the way it started, with just a fight of gangs, and then we get Amsterdam going and and killing Bill the Butcher after a final confrontation. And that does happen, sort of. Actually, does he even kill him? I thought it was like cannon stuff that got into his gut. And then, no, he gets him with yeah. a, kill, a kill blow. There's, there's, that, a bit, there's a bit where he's running around in the smoke and the dust and he's like stabbing DiCaprio, you know? Yeah. He slices his legs and he slices his arm, but then DiCaprio like turns around and like gets oh, okay, him. Okay, okay. So he actually him. stabs him. But then there's a, a cannonball that happens at the same time or something. It like knocks that. them both over. So, they, so they're both knocked over. But but he's dead because of the kill blow, not the, not the cannon. Oh, that, so that's I, actually I, a good clarification. I think a good reason why this is happening is you can't just have DiCaprio killing Day-Lewis because then that sets up DiCaprio as like the de facto gang leader. And I think what's really important yeah. about this story is that Scorsese is 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 kind of sneakily backdooring a Western into this because it ends with the with the death of the old era. Right. Mm-hmm. It ends with mm-hmm. the with the hero having to, to leave everything behind because the world's been changed forever and civility has won out over barbarousness. Um, but, that, that's, that's, that's why you have the U S military there. Cause they're the ones that are clearing it all out. Like it's all being changed. Everyone get the f- out. No more gangs. Maybe this just falls really flat for me because that's just, it's not quite true. Like, yes, maybe we're not, it's not this barbaric anymore, but like when it's showing like New York evolve as if like, it's totally moved beyond that. Like, I'm sorry, but we've seen many mafia movies take place in this no. area. No, that's a good that's a good point. And I, I think though I think what they're trying to show you by the passing is that the tagline of this movie is America was born in the streets. So when Amsterdam buries Bill next to his dad, you know, his two dads, and he, he buries them, that's the burial of the old way, the old way of the gangs running things. And I think what we're supposed to see is the city rises. There's two things you can think. Neither one of them, I think the movie's actually saying but I don't think the movie knows what it's saying 100%. One is you can go with the fact that the song is called The Hands That Built America, the Oscar-nominated song written by Bono that plays over the end credits. That's very on the nose, saying this movie is about those gangs that started it all for us. That's where America really came from, everybody. Don't you know it? And the other option, which is a more cynical option, that I think Scorsese probably would have teased out in a much better fashion if he'd had another 30 minutes, is that nothing's changed. You kicked the gangs out. It didn't matter. You kicked the Irish gangs out. Who cares? He's like, I think what he wanted to do with the political stuff is to show that it's always been this way and it's going to be this way forever. 
but the movie doesn't have that enough of that in it for me to be able to safely say that's what it's saying. And I really hate saying the other one that this is just about, you know, I don't know. The other way, the, well, the hands well, that Bono built America. I, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's that. I mean, I think that it's saying the hands that built America in sort of a cynical way that America, I, I think it's the second way that, that you're seeing it. I, I mean, I think, I think that's, to see it, but. yeah, but I, I think that like he is trying to set that up and I took it sort of as, as like, I feel like we've seen this primarily in Westerns, like you, you mentioned, where like we have these two guys who are like sorting out their sort of like personal vendetta being like subsumed under the great historical events that are occurring around them, like the mob violence um, Mm -hmm. against the wealthy and against black people in New York, which is like very bad and horrible. And then like the union coming in and like blowing up the city, which is also very bad and horrible in the same way as like, we've got like bill the butcher and, and uh, Amsterdam Val and, like going at it and like everyone killing each other over like something and it's like very bad and horrible, but it just sort of keeps continuing this sort of cycle of violence. Uh, I think it has more to do with that. I don't I don't think that much is in there. I, I don't think he gets there because there's a lot of like there aren't equivalent parallels that you can draw between the sides in any way. But I think that's what he's trying to do. And that's yeah, why we've think, got like, yeah. That's why we've got like the prayers one in a row. And it's like, oh, well, there's always a bigger gang, right? Like, so let let me just real real quick. read. So Valen is getting like beaten on by Bill the Butcher and Bill the Butcher is getting like used by by Tammany Hall to do his work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's It's like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here, here's here's something more the most boring pedantic thing in the world. (laughs) Oh, my love, it's a long way we've come from the freckled hills to the steel and glass canyons, from the stony fields to hanging steel from the sky, from digging in our pockets for a reason not to say goodbye. (sighs) These are the hands that build America. (sighs) Last saw your face in a watercolor sky as seabirds argued a long goodbye. (sighs) I took your kiss on the spray of the new line star. You gotta live with your dreams. Don't make them so hard. (sighs) Of all of the promises, is this one we can keep? Of all the no, dreams, no, you, is all right. this one still out okay. of reach? Okay, no, okay come, on, come on, come on. Like, I agree. Right. It's a, You're it's making a me cry. Song. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this is just like, like they told Bono, like, hey, we need you to write a song for the credits of this movie about like the, but that's the Irishman. But well, this is in the movie, is what I'm saying. And, and Mike, I, I, think, I think I'd be more inclined to see it your way if Amsterdam had fallen and become another build butcher, which it seemed like it was setting itself up to do. And then it suddenly didn't happen because it really did seem like, Oh, now the gangs are done. Therefore Amsterdam can't come back and be the new build butcher. Otherwise he would have. He's not I, off to California. Eh? I, I do feel like with the, the news clippings coming in, I did feel an element of almost like Martin Scorsese read a history book about this era and was totally blown away by it. And was like, people don't know about how crazy this was. People don't know about how crazy these, these gangs were. And they were like killing each other. And there was a guy named the butcher and he killed people and had a glass eye. And it was like something out of a fiction novel. And I think that like we mentioned, catch me if you can earlier, how that one, you know, that movie opens up with them basically saying, here's everything that 
what's his name? Abagnale. I can't think of his first name right now. Frank. Frank Abagnale. Thank you. That, that he did. And it's real. And let's show you the movie about it. And then they start the movie. I almost think that's what he was going for with showing you these news clippings at the end of the movie is like, this stuff really happened and it's crazy. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, so wild. You wouldn't believe it. You know, you'd think I was making the ending up of this movie. This is real. So I, I do think there was an element of that, just like showing us crazy shit that went down in New York, not that long ago. But then as far as like a more, more deep message or a more profound idea that Scorsese is going for, I definitely felt more the cynic or the almost like, yeah, we still have gangs. They just don't look like they used to, or we still have infighting and corruption and politics that are, you know, that are making elections fraudulently. Like we still have all this stuff. It's just not as on the nose as it was. We still have immigrants coming in and being seen as, crazy foreigners and, you know, all the, whatever else, you know, that that's something that we've always had going back a long time ago. Like nothing is new under the sun kind of thing. I definitely felt that in the final minutes of the movie, but I felt like it wasn't fleshed out like it should have been. And there, there should have been a lot more. If, if that was what he was trying to say at the end of the movie, it should have been something, you know, much earlier on set up and delivered at the end. Yeah. Even with the civil war stuff, I, I think the final mob scene is so shocking because it, I think it would have been different if like one of the main characters had been drafted or been fearing the draft earlier in the movie. And then they were drafted at the end and they kind of got involved in, or maybe started the, the mob and, and then there was a gang fight or something. Yeah, the, the whole setup and the way things are are integrated does not does not flow very well. It just comes on you so suddenly, like oh, there's a mob now. <laughs> They're just killing everybody. Yeah. Well, the the draft riots are really what is like that's what's in the history books. Yeah. Is there was the draft during the Civil War, and in New York, people went totally crazy and like killed a bunch of people, and mm-hmm. and so I think maybe he was trying to show. Like, it's not that surprising that this happened in New York. Like, people were killing each other in the streets and fighting brother against brother a long time ago. And so you start telling them to go fight in a different, you know, state for Mm -hmm. who were seen as second-class citizens or even not citizens back then, the African-Americans. It's like, you you know, of course they're going to, riot and lynch and do these insane things like almost like a explanation of the the historical reasoning like when you when you sit down and think about it and explain it and and like think about who these people were and their situation it it makes more sense but at the end of a two hour 45 minute movie i would expect that to be i would expect that to have been a capping stone for everything else that had already come like i would just expected that to be the fulfillment of everything we've already seen. Instead, it just feels more random. It's early fall. There's a cloud (laughs) in the New York skyline. Innocence dragged across a yellow line. (laughs) See, skyline and line. Same. (laughs) 
Beautiful. That's terrible. That's Oscar. A true Oscar. Nominated. This got 10 Oscar nominations and didn't, didn't win, win a anything. single one. Oh, which no I think is about as many as uh, Power of the Dog got. 12. 12 Power, one Power of the Dog did get director. It did. Which is like, it's a really weird thing to win and not get anything else. But <laughs> so you, yeah. you, you had a super good question, Mike, and I, I, I want to pivot. Okay. From from Jesse's question, I think I think it's a well stated yeah. point that the end is confusing yeah. and big, yes. messy and unclear. Yes. But to your your question, uh, I think it'll it'll lead us even deeper into the heart of this movie. I, I think so, and leave us even more deeply unclear, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, okay. So the last line that Bill the Butcher has is, um, "I die a true American," <laughs> and then he dies. It's right. great, and like what? Why does he die a true American, guys? Did, did anyone else also wonder uh, why Bill the Butcher was wearing blue and Leonardo DiCaprio was wearing red? And this came out in 2002 when we were very, very, very bipartisan. <laughs> was, was Scorsese trying to say something about Republicans I, and Democrats? I, 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 think, mean, like... I think part of the reason why this movie is so muddy is because it's like full of, I don't know, the politics of the time, which are uh, it's 20 years ago now, yeah. um, which is wild. But I don't know, man. Like it's weird because I feel like it would be reversed, but maybe that's the point. Or, or right? I mean, I mean, politics were way different in the nineties. I don't remember the nineties. I well, wasn't was listening to NPR. This is two thousand. Well, well it I was, guess he it, made it in two thousand. He started writing it in. He became interested in it in the seventies. Wow. Yeah. Um, he became interested in these ideas, and he began to really scale up production in the late nineties. And he was mostly completed by two thousand one. So we have just like we're just out of the the nineties. Um, I just I don't I don't know and and so talking about American what does it mean to be American what is can we even answer that question if unless we know what Scorsese is saying in American is well, well I, I think I, I thought it might be what he's saying in American isn't like is Bill the butcher who he thinks an American is uh, or is I don't know like, I, I'm wondering what does it mean to Bill the butcher yeah. that he dies a true American right. why does I, he think he's done that I thought he said earlier in the movie that to be a true American is someone you have to die for your country. So he just died mm. for his country by fighting off the, the invaders, the, basically. The hordes. The invading hordes. The hordes. Uh-huh. The invading hordes. Just, just like more yelling when you quote Bill the Butcher. I just I <laughs> okay. have to say. <laughs> okay. Also, apparently... Oopsie-daisy! Sto- <laughs> Oopsie-daisy! Uh, <laughs> apparently, real historical Bill the Butcher died saying these words as well. Oh. That's I didn't fantastic. know that. I mean, reportedly, I don't know. Guys, I, I have all, I, I watched a Discovery Channel documentary off of YouTube. So two of the most unreliable sources for info ever. Um, but maybe that's not true. Um, I, was just like, I was like, wait, you had some hot takes about the Discovery Channel? Like, <laughs> like, Whoa, we are dropping some shade here. Discovery Channel. We all know it's fake. Those frauds. Oh, I, I, I was thinking of the History Channel. You know, the History Channel is just... Oh, the alien show. Yeah. It's now alien stuff. It used to be solid. It just used to be, you know, history. And now it's aliens. <laughs> now it's that history is aliens. Aliens <laughs> and Egyptians. I, I thought yeah. Discovery Channel had gone down that route, but that's not true. Anyway, it's, it was a thing that came out 20 years ago. Martin Scorsese was on the Discovery Channel thing about this movie. Sweet. For just a little bit. But yeah, apparently no. these were his last words. Okay. So, I mean, like, so he thinks, like, a true American is one who dies fighting for his country. But I think there's also, like, subtext here, like, about... 
that, right? Like, isn't yeah. It, I mean, I think that maybe, probably like it's barely subtextual. <laughs> yeah, it's barely subtextual. <laughs> I mean, I think that there's like layers that are like here's here's here they all are. There you go. But like, there's something about I feel like there's something about like passing on the torch to the immigrant as well. Like, this is something that I think has been explored. Is, is, it's like a weird sort of like is, is Oedipusial. It, is it, is sort of, it like it's an Oedipus situation here. Is it a statement more about how xenophobia is dying? Is that I think the there's statement? that too, but it's also like, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. All right. So explain, explain the Oedipus thing because there's no mom here. Well, <laughs> if, um, if Bill the Butcher is Amsterdam Valens, like, father figure sure uh-huh. uh, and becomes his father throughout the movie yeah okay. and bill the butcher's love interest was cameron diaz right what's her name uh, in the movie i don't jenny. know jenny jenny and that's then... racist <laughs> <laughs> literally and then amsterdam valen sleeps with jenny yep and then goes on and kills his blind father well half blind father by like using a method that was taught to him by his like his father, like that's uh-huh. Oedipal. That that's Oedipal. It's Oedipal adjacent. Like it's, but like like symbolically. Like if this is the Oedipal complex, yeah, this is that. Like I mean, it's like not, it's like they're close. He didn't actually kill his father and sleep with his mother, but just like the symbol of father and mother. He slept with the symbol of his father's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, the symbol of his... I mean, like, no, okay. I actually think I'm really onto something. Like, she's got the scar <laughs> from the... From um, the abortion. From the abortion. Yeah, yeah. Like, the baby that was cut out. Like, I, I think that that is, like, symbolism that's being made here on purpose. But again, it kind of comes to nothing in the end. Like, it's like, wow, that's really wild and interesting. But what does it mean? Is it kind of about, like, how, like, maybe is she supposed to be America and, like, but it doesn't work. It doesn't like it doesn't fit together in the end. But I do think that that's part of what's going on with that statement. Like it's like, oh, you know, I fought off, I died trying to fight off the incoming immigrants, but also like this, this passing on the torch thing. That's very weird. <laughs> I I have to say here, I read a joke the other day. Why does Oedipus Rex never swear? Why? Because he kisses his mother with that mouth. It's <laughs> uh, uh, awesome. <laughs> All right. Quality content. <laughs> Did you want to ask your other question? Yeah, I, I, mean, guess, I, guess, I guess we're done touching that one with the 10-foot pole. Uh, I mean, this one, we just roll right into it. Yeah. All right. So why is there a romance in this movie? Like, this kind of feels like the almost the biggest downfall in the movie is the romance i mean that's how i felt i i don't know did you guys feel that way i actively felt myself getting bored every time cameron diaz was on screen yeah yep and i like cameron diaz i think she's great i really she's really funny she actually is a a fairly talented dramatic actress but i think that she's also wildly miscast in this i do not think that she and dicaprio click and every time she said, I leave you in the grace and the favor of the Lord, I just, I, I wanted to shut my TV off. I was really pissed at her. She had more uh, chemistry with that other guy. Which guy? The guy that she didn't dance with. Oh, yeah. E.T. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah E.T. Yeah. <laughs> the movie would have been way better if they cut out, like, every scene she was in. 
I think they're trying to do like like a, a coming of age story inside the revenge story, inside the gang story, inside the nah, story about America. Just, and at, at a certain point, like the what are the what are the Russian dolls called? The Matrushka dolls? Babushkas? Babushka dolls, whatever. You know, the, the little dolls go inside each other. There's just too many of them and you can't do them all in two hours and 40 minutes. And so one that really gets neglected, but its scenes are super long, is the coming of age Irish people getting to know and fall in love with each other, eh? Yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, and because like so much like exposition sort of occurs in their conversations. Yes. Um, but you oh. can't cut them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I felt like I didn't, I didn't really connect with Leonardo DiCaprio's character because you, you just know that he's the orphaned son of, of Valen from the first scene. You don't, the exposition on his character is very, very drawn out through the whole movie. And so you don't, you don't really care about him early on. And so, yeah, to see him like having these interactions with Cameron Diaz, you're just like, yeah, but I don't even know who this guy is. I don't know who she is. She's like a pickpocket. And she has maybe a darker past. And it's like, you don't really understand who they are until the final quarter of the movie. And where she's like deeply in love with him. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so now I, I guess I kind of care. But the first three quarters of the movie, I did not care about them or their relationship at all. I just, I just had a crazy thought for this movie. You can cut her out. And then you cut out the first scene completely. And just like open it up with like Leonardo DiCaprio landing and maybe make it more Daniel Day Lewis centric, like folks don't oh. know what he's doing. Like start and it, start it with, with DiCaprio throwing the Bible off the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> and you have no idea he's a priest son. You don't know anything about this guy. That'd be know. super badass. That'd yeah. be really cool. That would be kind and, of a good fellas ish sort of start. Like right in the middle of things. Here we go. What's yeah. gonna happen? Yeah, here we go. And you don't know who Sonny is. You don't know who this guy is or what his motivations are. And you figure it out along the way. Ah, man, that would have been great. Yeah, and it would be shorter. And better. And shorter and better is great. I love both those things. (laughs) We should look for a fan edit of this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, to answer the question, I'm not into this romance at all. Like, at all. I don't care about these people or what they're doing. But... That is a very interesting form of Tinder that they invented. When it's like the mirror and she oh, has to yeah. nod. Yeah. Yeah. Swipe left, swipe and left, swipe and left. <laughs> Whoa. That's, that's where they got the idea. Job. <laughs> that's it. That's where no, Tinder wants to come from. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Just looking in a mirror. Like so new mirror in, that faces. Way, in that way, surprisingly, this movie's aged really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> modern romance. Who would have yeah. thought Goodfellas would age well? Yeah. Do you, Not uh, Goodfellas. Gangs of New York. Uh, yeah, G- there you go. G-O-N-Y. Goni. Dan, do you think that this movie aged well? It was interesting. There were a lot of scenes, particularly about kind of the racism of the age and the like xenophobia that we were talking about with these immigrants and how like nobody trusts them. The only people excited that they're coming are the politicians that just want their votes. And like, it's a very stark look on America accepting people, people outside of America, even though everybody there, even the natives, right. The ones that call themselves natives are how, you know, they just showed up like 50 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. So it's Mm -hmm. like, 
so in some ways I thought it aged well because of that, that that's a message that a lot of movies nowadays are trying to show is that America does have some of these really dark closets that, you know, with skeletons in them. But I, I kind of, that, that was the part that I thought did age well, but I wanted to ask you guys, like, did you, did you have the same feeling or did you feel like this was definitely made in 2000 and doesn't really fit in 2020? I think it's, I think it's definitely showing its age, but I think that might just be from technique, you know, Mm -hmm. this, this, this sort of technique, uh, you, you don't do it really anymore. Um, especially the, the mixing of like different shutter speeds and different kind of film stocks. Um, actually at times, like it's very recognizably Scorsese, but at times it also felt like Oliver Stone. Weirdly at times it felt like a very nineties, uh, music video. Um, especially some parts of that opening battle sequence, really tough to, to understand. There's one joke very specifically what, when they lure the bald, the bald guy that DiCaprio beats up Yeah. when they lure him into the church and he drops that very loud N word. Yeah. That felt, that was like, Oh, that's not a joke you can make now, even though there actually was, it was meant to be racist and it was, it was directed at a black person and he was a bad person that that black person, this white guy using that language. It was shown as bad. It was still like, it was played for a laugh, you know? And that, that Mm. one didn't work for me in general. The casual racism seemed appropriate given the setting of immediately in the civil war, but everything else about this, like Goodfellas doesn't seem dated to me. I know it was made in the, in the early nineties, but that doesn't seem like it's dated. This there's just some there's something to the context, but we're kind of talking about how confused it is. What's it saying about America? That might be talking about how confused America is at this time. The fact that it closes with a song called "The Hands That Built America" by Bono really ages it uh, like a lot. I don't know. There's I, I can't put my finger on what it is specifically that makes this movie feel old, but it does feel old in, in my view. Do, do, yeah. Jesse, Mike, do you guys agree with me? I agree. Uh, it felt yeah. like. It felt older than some movies I've seen in the nineties. It felt older than Goodfellas in some ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's a period piece, uh, very heavily. So in a way that like only movies of that time were made. Um, and maybe like, we'll cycle back around to it. Cause there's a cycle with all these oh, yeah. types of movies, right? Um, I, like we've got that HBO show, the Gilded age, which is about around this time, mm-hmm. which I, I really want to get to. Cause it's a fascinating time. But yeah, I agree. I feel like it shows it, but at the same time, like it's, it's dealing with things in a nuanced way that, is interesting uh and also like a total mess so i don't know i think i think it's aged like to say it's aged poorly would be to say that i think at the time it came out it was a masterpiece that has has, uh, well that's what i'm saying yeah i don't i i don't know I, i think that people thought it was pretty darn good back then and so but like to me it just feels like oh it has always had these problems Actually, now, based off everything that we're saying, I, I have a theory for this movie, and this is wild speculation, but I bet that it used to solidly have a very depressed ending, like sad, gloomy look at America. This is how America is and always has been, and this is what it's been built on. And then because of 9-11, they shifted the message to, to, to be Bono at the end, which is why <laughs> this movie feels so confused. That is my new theory, and I'm going to stick with it. I mean, I mean, right. Harvey, Harvey, love Harvey Weinstein, love with movies that he was producing. Yeah. It would not surprise me if he was like, you know what? No, fix that ending. 
Yeah. Imagine, yeah. Imagine Harvey but, Weinstein telling Martin Scorsese what to do. Can't do uh, that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, he sucks and he's gone. He sucks and he's gone. Um, all right, we're going to have to wrap up here. But I, I do want to just mention one thing. I said earlier, I think this movie looks like shit for one very specific reason. This on IGN's top 25 worst Blu-rays is number 13 on the worst Blu-rays. Biggest flaw, bad transfer. Gangs of New York hit the Blu-ray scene fairly. This is from the IGN article. Hit the Blu-ray scene fairly early in July 20, 2008. By pretty much every account, be it fans or critics, the transfer was widely considered to be one of the single worst of the year. Also frustrating, the release still leaves out the long rubric extended version, or at least a peek at the deleted scenes from that cut. Albeit, without a whisper from Miramax, Gangs of New York quietly slipped back onto Blu-ray in February 2010. This time, completely remastered, albeit still missing the extended cut of the film. So, I have the first transfer. That's the, that's the Blu-ray that I bought. Uh, and it is bad. It is bad, and it, it tainted my view of Gangs of New York for forever, because I remember watching it being like, this is terrible. It, it's flat. It's it's overly saturated. Um, I mean, if you guys think this movie looks orange, you know, on, on Amazon or wherever else you watched it, this this movie, everyone looked like Donald Trump, dude. <laughs> like, like, people oh, are glowing then. Cheeto people. It's New York. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the, the colors are, are, are terrible, and I just, it's it, it was only very recently that I found out that there was a re-release of the Blu-ray because every time I watched it, all those years, every single time, I was drilling into my brain the terrible transfer that I had. I didn't even know it. Now I have to rebuy this thing. Yeah. So I can stop Do watching you, though? <laughs> Do you? Like, you don't even like it anymore. I still like it. Okay. I just have problems. Yeah. Okay. I have problems I can't get past. I feel like if you hadn't watched this movie before this episode, you would have given a glowing review throughout yes. the podcast. Yes. I would have. It's kind of a bummer. I was expecting that. I changed my life changed. I changed. Yeah, I know it's true. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, we've all changed, which is good. It's good to change. You change too. I wanted, to, I wanted to, I really, like I said, eight years ago, if you told me this, I, I would have said you're crazy. It's one of my yeah. favorite movies, but just to, even in the last year. No, I, I, I went in expecting good, like good fellas level everything. And I, I was that. surprised in many ways. I was like, Oh, this is, there were scenes in here. I just thought were done poorly. And <laughs> yeah, didn't make sense and were boring and there were lines i was like that was a dumb line i <laughs> we already heard that line four times like <laughs> stop saying it yeah <laughs> all right so we've had goodfellas which is peak cinema we've got we've got gangs of new york which is kind of mediocre mediocre like, like uh, well like the, the the bottom of the scale is the floor yeah. so you know yeah medium we're doing great yeah. Waste I, I'm going to say I really dug it this time around. I don't know why. I don't think it's like great, but like I really I really enjoyed it a lot. I had a really good time, great. which is weird. Like I've just been thinking about it a lot because like it's weird to me. Like like this isn't a fun movie, but there are parts of it that are fun. And I don't know. It's very it's fun. A, yeah. It's really I was having a good time when I watched it. But then you're like, I shouldn't be having a good time. Like this is really Ugh. <laughs> He's just stabbing that pig a lot. This is, you know? <laughs> this, this is a wound. Yeah. This is a kill. This is a kill. <laughs> slice the neck. You actually said wound just about perfectly, Jesse. I don't know if you'll ever be able to do that again, but that was, I would Probably say that not. was perfect. Yeah. Thank you. We're soon to find out that Daniel Day-Lewis is going to star in his next movie, The Podcaster. The podcaster, yes. <laughs> as Jesse. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys will never see it coming. <laughs> so let's 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 answer our final yeah, question. Final.
I'm going to say that it's not a dad movie. Not for me. Jesse, it's a dad movie, right, Jesse? Oh, oh, not a dad movie? Not even close. I mean, like, it's, it's fun sometimes. What, what do I want my kids to associate this movie with? Like, uh, not me is the answer. I don't want them to associate. The Good movie summation. With me. I, I'd be fine if they watched it by themselves, completely unassociated with me, and then we never talk about it in conversation. Except, <laughs> except to say, you know, so, Bill, the, you know what, Bill the Butcher, he was, he was a pretty crazy guy, yeah. So what that, you're saying is it. that is that you don't want this in your life ever again in like any capacity. I'd be totally fine with that. I'd be totally <laughs> fine with that. Incredible. Fair enough. Incredible. What about you, Dan? So I the one thing I'm I'm gonna say is I do want Daniel Day Lewis to be associated with me. I want like when my kids see him on the screen, I want them to think, oh, that's an actor dad loves dad talks so highly of dad can't get enough of Daniel Day Lewis. Cause that's the truth of it. Oh, he's like, a dad actor for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and that's where I was trying to think of like most of his movies are pretty heavy and are pretty adult and can, are, can, can I make a quick motion real quick? Yeah. Every time we refer to him here on out, can we, can we just call him daddy day Lewis, please? Daddy. Day Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> daddy for short. Um, <laughs> We, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're making a fantastic point. I just had to get it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. I hope that they associate dad with daddy. And <laughs> I, uh, I don't know how that's going to happen. Maybe there'll be movies like this. They have to watch and, and I'll be like, it's, we're just watching this for daddy. It's just for daddy. <laughs> but you know, I don't know which movies those will be, but Maybe maybe this will be on the list. Maybe if we do like a week of daddy, then we'll watch this movie. This is fantastic. Your points are really well done. I just <laughs> you do a week of daddy. <laughs> uh so so wait, wait, is it so you're you're in a middle ground? Is that what you're saying? We, I, we gotta do one or the other. Okay, I don't think this is a dad movie. I love Daniel Day Lewis and I, I hope. I hope that there are other movies that I'm able to call a dad movie with him in it, but this is probably not one of them. Up to you, Mike. Right, are you are you the lone man, lone gunman? Okay, guys, I'm conflicted. I'm going to talk myself through my confliction here. Okay. Decide at the end of at the end of my talking. I'm going to be like Michael Scott. I'm going to start talking. I don't know where we're going to end. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so there's there's aspects of this that are like dad movie to me, like old history shit. Like excessive length, excessive length, <laughs> excessive length, like um, a lot of gangs, a lot of violence, a lot of New York, a lot of mm. Martin Scorsese, mm. Daniel, De- Daddy Day Lewis, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Gleason. We've got John C. Riley. Like, like these are these are names. These are important to me. Bono. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. <laughs> Let's breezing right past that. Um, well, DiCra- DiCaprio, even we got I DiCaprio. Was... Yeah, and I mean, like, at, in terms of like his a piece of history, this movie stands as an important piece of history for I think all of those actors. It's got Liam Neeson for crying out loud, right? At the same time, it's ex- incredibly flawed. It's uh, it's got a lot of issues. I mean, we've talked about it. 
it's a dad movie. It's a dad movie for me. It's not like high level dad movie. It's not Goodfellas, but it's up here. It's something that like I would turn on again um, mm. and watch like scenes from. Um, I think that they're fantastic. I think Daniel Day Lewis is remarkable. I can't think of a lot of movies that are like it. I mean, I can think of a lot of gang movies, but I can't really think about a lot of movies that are like Gangs of New York. Yeah. I think that they should have changed the title. Like the title is not a good title for this movie. The Rise of Amsterdam. The Rise of Amsterdam. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. But New it York is a dad movie. The Rise of Amsterdam, comma, the untold story. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. All right. So we got we got three no's and a yes. Three no's and a yes. Fair enough. We will see what we think next week when we cover the Depadded. The Padded. We're doing the Depadded, and we're gonna have a special guest on for that. It'll be it'll be a great time. Um, there'll be uh, tons of terrible Boston accents, terrible Irish Boston accents, which are like another grade up. Uh, it's gonna be great. But thank you for listening to Not Your Father's Movies. Uh, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. I'm Jesse. Good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Movies. Please let us know what you think about movies and our discussions on our Twitter at NYF Movies on our Not Your Father's Movies Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram or email us at notyourfathersmovies at gmail.com. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This podcast has cost us a lot of time, effort, and money. Please consider contributing and we will start sending you monthly newsletters, our bonus WhatsApp episodes, and even an NYFM mug. We hope to hear from you soon. Lastly, thank you to Max Augers for our awesome theme playing right now, and to Andy LaFave from Don't Dance for the remix that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Thanks again for listening to Not Your Father's Movies.